Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Back to Bird's Eye View when it comes to the Oreos. This weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. Today is March 2nd, 2015. I am Scott Magnus and I'm here with my big boy, my color commentator, Jake English. This is episode 111. For those that are listening to us, you should be uh, listening to us at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, but you should also be checking us out on baltimoresportsreport.com. You should be checking us out periodically on Baltimore Sports Today, which is a daily podcast that comes out um, that sometimes features our lovely, simpatico voices. And Jake, you were on there today, actually, with Jabby Burns from Baltimore Sports Report. Absolutely. Uh, Jabby's been kind enough to uh, share the seat with me while uh, Zach's been, as we referred to it today, getting some uh, time off for good behavior. Yes. Uh, for those that also want to check into us or follow us on uh, other podcasting platforms, we uh, highly recommend following us on Stitcher. But if you must use another application, I guess you can use that Apple product known as iTunes. You should also be following us on social media, facebook.com slash bvcast, or you can just search for Bird's Eye View on Facebook and it comes up, or you should be following us on Twitter at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, Jake, it's time to get to the most important part of this segment. Jake, what's your drink of the week? I'm in full denial. Mm. I'm in full denial. I am drinking a summer ale by Flying Dog. It's Dead Rise, the Old Bay Infused Ale. Hmm, okay. I'm actually drinking something that is somewhat of a hot topic compared to that one because that was a, a beer that came out from Flying Dog last year as an IPA, but adding on top of it the Old Bay into it in order to kind of give that spice characteristic. Well, this brewery that I'm drinking from, Full Tilt Brewing, actually just came out with a Bay IPA, and many people thought that they were introducing Old Bay or some kind of Old Bay byproduct into it, but they are not. They're actually just you know, making an IPA and basically supporting the Bay in the process. I am not drinking that though, but I am drinking, <laughs> uh, from Phil Till brewing an India pale ale aged over Oak chips. All right. It's fair not bad. Not bad at all. Now, uh, you can always check in and see what we're drinking on untapped. I myself am on untapped at Jake E four zero two five. And I am on untapped at M A G N eight six zero six. So check us out on untapped. Give us a friend request and we'll be sure to follow you back because I'm sure you're drinking much better beers than we are at this time. So with that, Jake, I think it's time we go ahead and we dabble into the twat this week on the Twitters. The first tweet we want to bring to your attention is a bit of an emotional one. It's from the Baltimore Orioles who tweet at Orioles. The tweet is as follows. The team is wearing at longevity shirts in honor of Monica Pence Barlow who passed away one year ago today. The tweet includes a bunch of pictures of the Orioles uh, wearing their longevity orange uh, t-shirts, including manager Buck Showalter. Scott, it's been a year since uh, Monica Barlow passed 
you know, it was a huge loss to the Orioles family, even us fans, even us fans who who didn't know her or have a an everyday experience with her. It was a tough loss, and it's one that I'm glad to see that the Orioles are continuing to remember her uh, throughout the, the remainder of the seasons. Yeah, I would recommend everyone go over to uh, Rock's blog. He posted a great um, article about it on uh, on Saturday. So highly recommend heading over to School of Rock and reading uh, Rock's article about Monica and some of the Oriole players and uh, coaches' opinions. Um, about the given situation and just kind of remembering, um, you know, how great of a person Monica really was. And there is nothing better you can do than to go over to Longevity, donate anything you can. Every little bit helps. It's a, it is a disease against this lung cancer. Um, Monica died of lung cancer that was not caused by cigarettes. It's a, it's a disease that is far more rampant than it should be. And every little bit helps. And again, it's something that her husband, Ben Marlowe, continues to work with to this day. That's Longevity. L-U-N-G-E-V-I-T-Y dot org. Very simple. Just go there and there's a big button at the very top that says donate. We recommend it highly. Uh, next one goes into the oh really category. This comes from at Sloan Sports Conf, which is the Sloan Sports Conference that happened this past weekend. Fred Manford was there, Jake, if you didn't know. But uh, MLB StatCast will be up and running in all 30 ballparks at the beginning of season. Also available on premium version of MLB app at MLB. I think that's pretty interesting. Actually, I'm very excited about this. I know you and I have talked about it in the past. I really think that this is going to revolutionize the way that fans understand the game and interact with each other in order to make comparisons. You know, we we talk over each other so often, whether it be numbers, whether it be not. This is video, something that people can point to and see and incorporate the finer points of the game. I think the bigger concern that I had was, this is great that MLB uh, Advanced Media was going to start taking some of this data, but the question really was, um, was the data going to be just shared with the teams and not so much with the public? The fact that it's going out into the MLB application, it means it's going to go out into a public domain, and it means that people are going to be able to use that data for further statistical research and actually make sure that the data that is being published by uh, MLB Advanced Media is actually making sense with other defensive metrics that are out there, along with base running too, uh, and just seeing you know how good certain players are compared to some of these advanced metrics that are being you know forecast via Statcast. Preach on, brother man. Jake, I've got another one for you too. This is uh, I need some thoughts on this one. This from comes from Greg, uh, Craig Calcaterra, and people can follow him at Craig Calcaterra. Um, Jake, this tweet goes as I think the better question would have been. What would have become of John Lemon and the Beatles had they not been killed? He follows up with, I predict that there would have been a reunion show in the 1980s and that would have aged terribly by now. Jake, thoughts? Well, first of all, Craig Calcaterra, you're dead to me. You're dead to me, (laughs) Craig Calcaterra. Um, Obviously, um, if I had just, you know, five minutes of time in a time machine, I would go back to the Dakota in 1980 and I would solve this problem. Um, I I do think that, that the reunion would have happened. I think that obviously the Beatles were, uh, the remaining Beatles were able to put some differences aside and do the Beatles anthology in 1995. I think it would have happened earlier. I think fences would have been mended. Uh, the egos of McCartney, uh, of Lennon, and of Harrison, Ringo doesn't get an ego, but those three egos probably would have subsided by the time the money started running dry. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that it would have been a train wreck, but probably no more than a train wreck than Paul McCartney on the latest SNL episodes. Why are you hurting me? Why why are you doing this to me? Every time somebody's offered me to go see Paul McCartney since I went to go see him 10 years ago, I've said no because I don't want to see You realize he's playing a firefly, right? I don't want to see him as a tired, sad old man, and that's exactly what there was on Saturday Night Live 40. Why are you doing this to me? Let's look at the next thing on the twat. 
It finally happened, and Scotty, Woo-hoo! this is right up your alley. Let's hear about it. All right, this comes from at Oral Spastics, hashtag Spastics1000. At the other, Cody delivers a breathtaking Mr. F tribute video. If anyone hasn't seen this, you know, go over and follow Oriole Spastics. They've got it up on their Twitter feed. Go and watch it. Cody Colston, you can follow him at the other underscore other Cody, does a great job at representing Mr. Flaherty or Mr. F as the greatest Baltimore Orioles player of all time. It was breathtaking. Yeah. I, I will say that the the swing uh, being timed perfectly with the music, Cody, you nailed it. Well done. I will say it wasn't as good as Nate McLeod, though. Oh, stop. What could what could possibly match the Nate McLeod video? That's true. Next, we have from this, uh, we'll put this under the category of, uh, I wish. Yeah. It comes from Matt Taylor, who tweets at Roar from 34. And we're, as we always say, if you are not reading Roar from 34, you're doing it wrong as far as being an Orioles fan is concerned. Shame on you. <laughs> the tweet is as follows. Can we go back to a time <clears throat> a short while ago? Of full-page thank-you ads and warm fuzzies about Nick Markakis? I think it's a fair question. Those were the good times. Those were the good times. thought we were not doing the singing thing. That really wasn't the singing. That was more just like me stretching out my vocal cords. It's the threat of a song. That's true. (laughs) Final tweet for this week. It goes to, Hey Orioles, I'd take this over Everth Cabrera any day. This comes from at Jeff's Reback's son. Um, he is a uh, Baltimore Sun writer about the Baltimore Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. He says, Dick Cass said team is putting in a brand new Wi-Fi system at M&T Bank Stadium. Huh. That must be nice. That must be nice. That must be nice. Jake, would you take uh, a new Wi-Fi system over at uh, Camden Yards anytime soon? Absolutely. Well, bad chance of that ever happening. Yeah. Maybe we'll get that as compensation when Ducat leaves next year. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, well. Um, Jake, you know, with all that and, you know, the State of the Union of the Ravens going on, we're not interested in that. Let's get into baseball. Baseball's finally happening. Let's talk about everything that's happening, which there really isn't a lot of. Jake, it's uh, it's very early in spring training, but uh, a few stories have begun to develop. Um, and honestly, there hasn't really been any games. So let's pick apart a few things and let's just go around the bases at spring training in Sarasota at this time. So, Jake, let's start at first base um, with ESPN in town this past week. Carl Ravitch noted that Manny confided in him that it was expected that the second knee was expected to fail at a certain point. Ravitch reported only that he had a conversation with Manny Machado where Manny told him some privileged information and then Manny had told nobody else. And uh, Jake, um, I, I guess my question to you is this, the, you know, not the first time that Manny's come out to a national media, you know, his doctor has come out to the national media before the beat writers. Um, is there any, you know, sense of anxiety here where, 
things around Machado and news all of a sudden always seem to break on ESPN as opposed to local beat writers? Well, no, but before I go on, let me just throw a little uh, tin foil hat on here. And doesn't that just reek of his uh, his idol A Rod? I mean, yeah. when it comes to team news, not or news not going through the team or through the team approved uh, channels such as Masson, doesn't that uh, doesn't it just reek of of some other uh, media circus that we have going on? I don't know. I don't know if we need to go that far, but it, it's just kind of strange that it's almost like hey i want to have a a bigger spotlight put on me um when the national media is here whereas that information easily could have been dropped at any point and i'm sure the beat writers kind of knew that and they've i think they've made uh you know references to it in multiple articles but i think it's interesting that as soon as espn it comes into town it's ooh, pay pay attention to me pay attention to me that's a possibility the other thing that that may be the case is that it's possible that the local beat writers are simply too close to it it's it's possible that the local beat writers haven't bothered to ask that question. And I'm not saying that Britt and Dan Connolly and Rock and Rich Dubroff and all of them are bad at their jobs. That's not what I mean. I mean that they may just be used to covering the breadth of what they're there day in and day out seeing. That yeah. you know, Ravage may have just asked the question that they hadn't bothered to ask at that point. I don't think that's the case. I, I, I honestly think that Britt and Rock and, you know, even Dan are great, you know, media correspondents. I just think it's interesting that as soon as the cameras are on him with the national audience, Manny is willing to kind of open up a little bit more. It, it could also be that there was a bit of distraction in the warehouse this off season, and maybe there wasn't clear guidance on what to say to whom and when, and maybe Manny Machado just got tired of it and finally outed with it. I think we're picking at straws here i i don't think it's a big deal i think it's interesting that uh there are that 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 little trickle of of information but again i'm not worried about it all right let's go over to second base now and similarly with espn in tow buck mentioned that we thought what we thought was a given might not be so obvious this comes from the same article because at one point on friday while he was discussing the maneuverability of the roster showalter casually mentioned that davis might be as good of a right fielder as we have here a little later, he worked in the assessment that Pierce has made himself into a quality first baseman. Buck says, you know, there's a lot of debate about what's our best defense. Is it Pierce in the outfield or Chris at first? Or is it the other way around? I don't know. But we'll come up with that as we get into it. Jake, Buck playing mind games? Or you actually think that Davis is a legitimate right, great fielder? No, I think that's mind games. I don't really think there's much to it. Chris Davis played right field in 2012 before we knew what he had. Mm. The other thing is that I think that Chris Davis has played an admirable first base. I won't say that he's a gold glove caliber player, but if you remember into 2013, he came to camp early to work on his defense. Yeah. And he made that a a real priority for himself. And I think that he has turned himself into a fine defensive player. He's a more athletic guy than I think he gets a lot of credit for. He's not just a big, you know, brute who hits home runs. He can play third base, not, not to a Manny level. He can play third base. He can play the outfield because he's an athletic guy. It's nice to have the roster flexibility. You know, we always talk about what if. Mm-hmm. Buck Walter is a pretty good what if in his back pocket with Chris Davis in the outfield, but I don't think it's the, the situation that you want, especially when you look at the guy he compared him to, uh, Steve Pierce. I thought Steve Pierce played an above-average uh, outfield, and not saying that he's, you know, the most athletic guy, but he will not hurt you out there. No, I don't think it'll hurt you. The only thing that interests me from uh, from the Davis aspect is we've seen Davis also play at third base, and Davis has shown propensity to have a very strong arm. Um, even you know, getting a belt ball at first base and being able to chuck it over second base, you know, pretty darn well. If Davis does have that arm, 
Um, is there any benefit compared to a Steve Pierce in right field, especially given the consideration of um, the carom in that corner of right field and having to get it back in to a cutoff man? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's not a bad point. Uh, if it were me, though, pulling the strings for the Orioles, if I was Mr. Buck Showalter for one day, I wouldn't want to give Chris Davis one more thing to think about. He's got to get his mind right, and he's got to get his swing right. He's got to be the offensive player that he was at least in 2012, if not 2013. And giving him another change, I don't think that helps anybody. Okay. Um, let's go over to third base, and we're going to stick on the Buck and Davis topic. Buck has been having a lot of batters bunt during the spring training and kind of building up that that skill set once again. But Davis even started off the first inter-squad game bunting. He bunted it right back to the pitcher. Um, but Buck had some interesting comments that were picked up as well, and it says, I'm not so sure that bunting to third is the answer, and this is talking about bunting uh, versus the shift. I'm not sure it is bunting to first. You've got a second baseman in right field. You've got a first baseman on the outfield grass. You've got a shortstop up the middle. Where's the bigger risk bunt? Third, where a pitcher can cut it off, or first, where there's not much in touch allowed, and you can bunt it firm over there. I know what the answer is that I'm getting. Mm. Jake again, smokescreen, or does Buck know something we don't know? No, I think this is smokescreen. I think that if bunting into the shift were a viable option, if it was a real strategy for beating the shift, we would have seen it a lot more. Um, I, I think that Chris Davis has to bunt against the shift every once in a while to put it in the back of people's head. I don't think he needs to do it consistently because I want him hitting the ball over the fence. I want him beating the shift. I want him to hit doubles. But it has to be in his toolbox, right? It has to be in his toolbox. Um, I think this is pure smokescreen. I don't see any benefit to it. I've seen people say that you know against a left-handed pitcher that's coming off the mound in a different aspect versus a right-handed pitcher, maybe you would want to bunt to the first base side or the third base side mm -hmm. because their body is delivering them to one portion of the mound or the other. But I'm not going to really buy that. I think you basically bunt it right down the third base line. I think it makes it really simple just to cock the bat and knock it down the other way. I think having to turn your bat and basically knock it down the first base side as a left-handed hitter. I'm not saying it's impossible to do, but I, I also wouldn't highly recommend doing it. Yeah, uh, and, and again, you're taking the bat out of the hands of one of the fiercest well, hitters on the team. You're going to do that regardless of the of the shift. If you want to make people honest, you're occasionally going to have to do that. It's just a question of if you're bunting and trying to keep people honest, are you going to try to bunt down the first base line or the third base line? I think that every single thing that we've seen Davis practice with in terms of videos and everything – has shown him bunting down the third baseline. I think this first base notion is, well, can, can it's I, Buck playing tri trivia and mind games again. It's what he does. Can yeah. I ask you about this bunting? You said that they're they're bunting in spring training. Do you think that they're bunting more this spring training, or do you think we're just more highly tuned to bunting because of the whole shift discussion, which has gone on baseball-wide, and this is just the time that they work on it here no, in spring no, training. No, I think they're, they're definitely doing bunting to the similar levels that they've done in previous years. I think it's going to be interesting to see how much more bunting they actually do in spring training games because that's something that you generally don't see a lot of. And if we start to see Chris Davis go up there and lay down bunts against the shift periodically during a spring training game when you're like, well, just get your cuts in. If Buck's going up there and saying, you know, go ahead and get your bunts in as opposed to your swings in, that's going to be... Pretty interesting going through spring training. La last question I have for you for Bunts, and I, I apologize to put you on the spot. I know that Chris Davis is the the um, victim of the, the sure. shift. Are there other players of the Orioles that I'm not thinking of that are, are shifted against more often? There isn't one that is uh, shifted more often against, but there's one person that is a key person that would actually be a great shift target. And who's that? Steve Pierce, actually. 
Because he's such a pull guy? Yes. So it will be interesting. Now, Pierce is also a right-hander. Mm-hmm. So it's a situation of you basically shift him in a certain direction. It's not you're bringing everybody over to one side, but it's shifting other people. I don't think you could do the shift, um, you know, the way that it gets against Davis, but there has been multiple articles written about, uh, you know, people that could be shifted in a higher regard in 2015, and Steve Pierce has been on that list. That's another guy that I don't want bunting. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> and uh, Steve Pierce is a guy, and you've you've written about this. You've you've talked about this, and I think you're right. Uh, he's really going to be on the hot seat as far as whether or not he's going to be able to to repeat because he's going to struggle with that curveball. He's you know the book's going to be out on him. It's up to him to adjust. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely want him taking his hacks rather than laying one down. Yeah, I mean, again, it, that depends on where he is in the order too. If he's going to be in that six hole, for example, I've got no issue with him laying down a bunt. I think it just all comes back to the expectations that are going to be on him. And that's going to come back to the situation of whether Davis, Weeters, and Jones had similar performances that we're all expecting them to have at this time. All right, can we head to home plate? Let's head to home plate. All right, today is Bud Norris's birthday. Mm. It's the 2nd of March. And uh, I I figured we could have a little Bud Norris appreciation moment. Can can we do that? I guess we can do that. I have really... like we should trade him. (laughs) I've really become a fan of Bud Norris. You know, when we got him from Houston, I was like, oh, he's this guy. He was the best thing that was left on the market, I guess. Uh, You know, it cost us two prospects, whatever. I really have become a Bud Norris fan. Uh, The first little chink in the armor for me as as I melted towards Bud Norris was that he could not have been happier to be here. He got out of Houston. Yeah. I mean, I think he was just happy to be out of Houston. But he he kept talking about, I'm coming to a pennant race. I'm coming to a pennant race. And part of that for me was the fact that, oh, my God, the Orioles are a place that people want to come. You know, it's all I wanted for 14 years. Yeah. And Bud Norris was really the manifestation of that. I think it's been great for him to be here, but I think also for him it was great to move. Okay, so he was part of your aspect of, hey, this isn't a bad club anymore. People want to come here anymore and want to be on this team. Yeah, and he could not have been more Augie shucks about it either. Okay, gotcha. Um the next moment, I think, in the in the Bud Norris appreciation has to be the crotch grab. Woo! I love that. Yeah. People use the word bravado. People use the word bulldog on the mound. Whatever you want to say. Grit. The crotch grab said it all. It was better than F.U. It was better than a gesture. And, and I think, it, might I say, he pulled off the crotch grab much better than Papabon did. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I know this one is particularly fun for you and it's the tory hunter whoop your ass uh situation uh jake this got brownie points for you on the on the bud norris aspect but there were some people that said you know bud norris oftentimes comes inside the batters and basically pushes them off the plate and is pretty good with hitting batters too in the same regard um is this something good that you like about him or not i am never one to say that hitting a player on purpose is a good thing um what about backing people off the plate, though? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think pitching inside is an important thing. I think uh, pitching inside to to make a statement about the, the strike zone is, a, is one thing. I think making player uh, batters uncomfortable is another thing. I think going after the head certainly is inexcusable. Hitting, hitting batters on purpose is inexcusable. 
let me turn it back on you. Do you think Bud Norris hits guys because he wants to, or do you think he pitches inside and happens to hit guys? I think he pitches inside and happens to hit guys. That's what I think. <laughs> now, I, I happen to be a Bud, a Bud Norris fan now, apparently, so maybe it's my biased opinion, but I, I think he just pitches inside, and that, that happens. Yeah. So this this whole Torrey Hunter, Hunter thing happens, and Bud Norris didn't back down. I thought that uh, Torrey Hunter ended up looking ridiculous in that situation, but that that experience made me love him all the more. The next thing about Bud Norris that I want to talk about is Fan Fest in 2014, and we've talked about it a ton of times here. I had to skip out early in in this year's uh, Fan Fest. I guess this was 2015 because it was yes. in January. Um, but I was really impressed with him at, at Fan Fest. He was really insightful uh, in, on the fan forum that I saw him on, and um, I really and liked what he had to say. Your wife and my wife both said that he was very good looking. Hey, he's he's trimmed down from yeah, the uh, bit of a pudgy guy he was in, yeah. in the when we got him. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing that that I think about him is that you know he may transition. He may be one of those guys that transitions uh, back to in front of the camera once he's done pitching. I could possibly see that. I'd have to listen to him more often. He, but. He's got the personality, I think, to carry it. Yeah. But you're right. At FanFest, he did a lot of really good things. He took a lot of selfies with the social media aspect. He called people up. Like people would say, "Hey, can you give my mom a call?" and he would give them a call. Um, he took part in kids' activities, read Curious George. And anybody that reads Curious George is getting points in my book. And he also signed things in a unique way. Jake, how did he sign them again? I wasn't there. You tell me. Well, Jake, he signed them as Stud Norris. Nice, which is is nice. Nice, because I, I see that as not a brag. No. I, I see that as is him. Uh, you know, just just owning this thing. Yeah. That's having a good time with the the given situation. Yeah. But there's lots of things to like about Bud Norris, from the pointing, the pop-ups, to leaving the mound before strike three is called. I love that. I love that. The dude delivers the pitch, and he knows where it's going to go, and as long as it doesn't get hit, it's strike three. He's already walking towards the dugout. It's a little bit of a dick move, but I love it. Okay. I would hate it if it were somebody else on the other team, but I love it. So with that, Bud Norris gets his appreciation for his birthday, but he's likely not going to be that very good of a pitcher this year, and well. We probably should trade him while he has the highest trade value right now. I I I hear you. I know why you make that assessment. I don't doubt your. I do not doubt your grip and understanding of things. Uh, but I think that Bud Norris has proven himself to be a starter in this league. I think that on the Orioles, maybe he has his highest value because he's out performing his projections yeah. like he's got moxie kid he's got moxie it's that dark magic that the it's orioles moxie. sprinkled all over yeah, their, their rotation look i appreciate this you you did a, uh, a great thing here in bringing back this around the the diamond segment we used to do this um on a lot of write-ups for for baseball games on the blog and it got to be such a hassle to do it every day every week whatever can we bring this back? Can we do this every once in a while on the blog? Yeah, we can do this once in a while on the blog and All just right. kind of touch based on some of these smaller stories. Because really, to talk about anything that's going on right now in spring training for 20 or 30 minutes is kind of ridiculous. But you know what we can vent about? Oh, I want to hear this. There's one thing that we're good at venting about, and that's public relations. So let's talk about Orioles public relations and, well, giveaways.
Scott, a little while ago, the spring training promotional schedule for 2015 was announced, and I think the highlight of that that program was the coat hanger. Yes. If not, the seniors run the bases, which I think is a great promotion. Seniors run the bases is a definitely probably the top promotion of the Sarasota package. I would like to see that come north. Uh, that could get dangerous very quickly. I think it might be dangerous anyway. Look, yes. the promotional schedule for, for spring training is out. It's here. We're waiting to see what the Orioles will do during the regular season for their promotional schedule. It's always a, a date that I circle because I tend to uh, plan out my year around the promotional schedule. Sure. I like free stuff. I like stuff that's orange. And a lot of them are winners. I, I feel especially in the last few years, the Orioles have really hit gold on certain things that they've given away for, for games, especially because I feel like they don't have to do it anymore. You know, it used to be during yeah. the dark period that they had to give stuff away to make people show up. The dark period jerseys. Yeah, the dark the dark period jerseys. I, I don't know about you, but I love the dark the dark era jerseys because it, it shows me who supported the team through the bad times, who was there with us. And you always know somebody who's who's wearing like a Brad Bergeson yep. uh, jersey that they were there in just the worst conditions. They lived through it, and not only that, but they own it. Yeah, and uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, I, I really do. What, what I think one of my only remaining jerseys, and actually came back into popularity last year. Uh, I had a jersey from the Zach Britton jersey giveaway. Yes, and I was just like, oh great, he's going to be this star pitcher. And then I basically had lived with his jersey for so many years of just being like, God, he was a waste of a draft pick. And then last year it was finally got back some value for us. I actually wear it out in public and be like, hey, it's a Britain jersey. And I'm like, yeah, it's a Britain jersey. It's been in my closet for a long time this now. Is, but yeah. This is failed starters, Zach yeah, exactly. Britton, not the uh, star closers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Britton. This is failed first round draft pick, Zach Britton. Some of my other favorites, though. They, I really have been impressed by the quality of the replica jerseys. Oh, sure. When that's, I saw, that's always a big giveaway day. And when I saw that come out, I was like, oh, this is going to be crap. But yeah. they've done it for Manny Machado. Yep. And it was orange, uh, the orange jersey. Mm-hmm. And they've done it for Adam Jones, the, the gray away jersey. And I, I've got to be honest. I mean, it's got somebody's logo on it because that's part of the advertising deal. But beyond that, they're really pretty good quality shirts. They're pretty good replica jerseys, yeah. I mean, something that would cost 30 bucks in the store. Sure. So I have no issue with having a little product placement on that. Um, the other one that I thought was really good um, at the end of last year was the knit cap, which is really nice quality and uh, has been really nice with the amount of uh, cold weather that has been uh, through the mid-Atlantic for the past few weeks. I don't think you're looking at that right. Yeah. I think before 2012, the mm. Orioles had no reason to give out a ah, knit cap. That's a good point. But... October baseball makes that knit cap a necessity. And and okay. during the ALCS, it was clutch. It was clutch, yeah. Anything else that you thought was a pretty much a, a favorite from the past? I think the Orioles did a really good job. Um want to talk about hats real quick. Sure. I I was a big proponent of the Orioles floppy hats for many years. Yeah. Floppy hats used to be my jam, high school, college. They got away and from And then you the- turned twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> they got away from it a little bit because they started going to the camo uh, yeah. floppy hat, which I wasn't a big fan of. Were the, you not a fan of the military? That's not what I said. Okay. Uh, the I don't want to cheapen the military with Orioles logos. How's that? Are you saying the, the military gets cheapened by wearing Orioles gear? Oh, good Lord. Okay. Anyway, um, I thought that the, uh, the, the DAP caps were pretty good, and they've yeah. gotten better in quality throughout the years. Yeah. 
Um, but what I think was the really the best thing they had done was the Father's Day fedora. Mm. I I okay. loved I loved the idea. Well, the I idea. Think the execution was a little off. Yeah. The fact that they were tiny and paper. I don't mind the paper. I, I have a small head. I have a tiny peanut head. You do have a very small head, and it didn't fit me properly. Who in the name of God was that hat supposed to fit? Uh, it was made in China, so. Yeah, they're giving it away to fathers, not to children, to fathers. Right, but it was made in and China. this is the fattest country on earth with fat heads. We do have a lot of fat heads in Maryland. Why are they so tiny? So, Orioles, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, because Bird's Eye View is very popular in the warehouse, I'm Absolutely. sure. You need to be making those paper hats a little bigger. Well, well, you know, Jake, if you pay enough money, you too can have your logo on some stuff that they give away at Camden Yards. And this got me to thinking, what would Bird's Eye View's giveaway be? And I kind of sat down and, you know, came up with a few thoughts um, regarding things. So I'm going to start with mine. This is going to be, I'm sure, fawn to your heart. Jake, I think one of the giveaways this year has to be the orange and black stirrups from last year. Can you imagine everyone in the stands rocking orange and black stirrups and, you know, stomping their feet and wearing those orange and black stirrups? Can I imagine it just about every time I close my eyes? <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the uh, the 60th anniversary game stirrups that, yep. with the horizontal stripes yep. things of beauty yes not only not only were they beauteous but the team really latched onto it yeah and because of that i think the fans should latch onto it too yes that is an excellent giveaway excellent giveaway yep if you don't want to put the stirrups on you can just still wave them above your head but you really should be wearing the stirrups rally stirrups rally stirrups gotta love the rally yep. stirrups all right i have a question for you a giveaway i felt that was always there on the schedule in memorial stadium was the seat cushions. Okay. You know, the foam seat cushions, mine were always WBAL. I don't know who else gave them away. Yeah, I think it was WBAL and SK. Is yeah, and SK, you're yeah. right. Uh, metal chairs there at uh, yeah. at Memorial Stadium, so you need a little something to uh, keep our, again, fat American asses uh, comfortable on the seats. Why did that go out of Vogue? Um, I would imagine it had to do something with the aspect of uh, the material that serves as that cushioning material uh, increased in price pretty expand uh exponentially now not to pull the curtain too far but scott you know a thing or two about the material that might be in there is there any cheaper alternative that they could be using uh there is but it wouldn't be as resilient in terms of the long term so it would eventually but what do they care it's a giveaway they would care that you know you can't sit down on your 1978 posture and be like hey this all of a sudden flattened they can't give me a paper hat that fits my head they don't care what i put on my butt they can't give me a magnet that lasts through an entire season without fading (laughs) fair enough what do you have next on your list of of things that they need to give away all right this one i think is a great one there you know it this came out in previous years where they had like a joe madden doll down in tampa bay um that was given out by the race i think the orioles need to come out with the buck showalter doll with a pull string on the back and every single time you pull the pull string a catchphrase or a buckism comes out like i like our guys scott magnus you are a brilliant man yes i am you are a person who i i think has next to to no no one else i i think puts numbers and and guts in perspective like you you're someone for whom uh i have the utmost respect as a baseball guy but but when i need fluff I give you fluff. But you are starting to make me believe that you also are a salesman at heart. This is not this is not a good idea. This is a great idea. Yes. Yes. So hopefully, you know, I don't think the Orioles would ever pick up on this, but maybe we can find somebody in the local area that can start making these Buck Show Walter dolls and you know, you know mass and you, market. You them. can have different bucks. Yes. Imagine a sassy buck. Sassy doll. buck. Yep. So with, again, with the, the pull string. Yep. 
Yep. Sassy buck. Scott, you were really on <laughs> Like, this is not me just kissing up here. You are on to something, and yep. I want to be on this gravy train. Yep. Wow. Not, none of mine are going to be any anything to, to compete with that. Okay. Um, the next one I have, Oriole keychains. Okay. Um, Definitely something that's been missing out. Yeah, absolutely. And and this goes back a little bit to, I think it was the 2005 season. Uh, I probably have the time frame wrong, but I have a very fond memory, and this goes back to Rock Kabako's blog back when it was on The Sun. We had this thing, the readers, we had this thing where when Chris Ray would come out to close a game, which, you know, the Orioles being as terrible as they were back in those days, you know, four or five opportunities a year, yeah. people would get up and shake their keys as if to say, it's time to go home. It's a, it's a done deal. Right. How cool would it be to have some sort of Orioles keychain, maybe with a noisemaker built in or something, that when Zach Britton comes in, everybody in unison shakes their keys as if to say, Guys, you don't have a chance. It's over. Time to go home. Make your way to the exits. I think this is you just trying to get the keys to come back. You know, I, I think that the, the giveaway is is built right in. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll go along with this keychain aspect if you can throw a bottle opener onto that keychain. I'm down. Okay. I am never against a bottle opener. All right. We're ready to go to the last one for both of us. All right. My last one, Jake, is going to be an event. Not so much a promotion, but an event. If Bird's Eye View is going to do something with the Baltimore Orioles, we would have an event. And it's going to have to be a pancake breakfast. And it's going to have to be a pancake breakfast with Jim Palmer. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that you would bring up Jim Palmer in, in such a capacity. How is that going to work? The first 15,000 people over the age of 18 get to go with Jim Palmer? Hi. I think it's going to be more like the first 5,000 people that get there get to have a short stack with Jim Palmer. And um, maybe Jim Palmer rubs some maple syrup on me. Uh, let me let me try to scorch that image out of my brain and say why not make it a charity event Mm, that's a good idea why not do like a a type of deal where they open the gates an hour early yeah utah street is lined with (laughs) orioles reach affiliated why are you doing it on the utah street why don't you just do it in the picnic yard Okay, I thought Utah Street would be easier to, to peruse up and down, but oh yeah, but you could also sell your wares on the picnic area of, of as far yeah, as you food basically have a ticket that you basically go right into and just sit in the picnic area and have your pancake breakfast, silent or a silent auction, yeah, you know, and and whoever you know raises the most money or what what have you gets can, that pancake breakfast, get that pancake breakfast like at a fire hall or a recreation complex, yeah, yeah that's a good idea. It'd be a good way to support you know longevity, for example, from the Baltimore Orioles standpoint. And again, Orioles Reach uh, supports a lot of great causes. Yes, they do. All right, you have again put me to shame because I have nothing that can be nothing that. good. My last, my last promotion is uh, is probably not a good idea. Okay. When I was a kid, I had a bunch of baseballs that were stamped with team logos, and I had probably sixteen of them, and I had them lined on my bookshelf. The Orioles uh, logo was right up front next to the Orioles um, All Star Game yeah. logo ball. Uh, the Cal Ripken Jr. logo ball yeah. was right on there. I I understand that it might be difficult, you know, the same reason they no longer give away bats. Sure. But it might be difficult to have, you know, 15,000 projectable objects in the crowd. Maybe not such a great idea. Yeah. But it, I think it would be cool to give away balls stamped with the Orioles logo, stamped maybe instead of a bobblehead with a player, stamped with a player's, you know, number and picture and stats from the previous year or whatever. Something they can give away that a kid can take as a collectible, sit sit on their their bookshelf, or 
take outside and play with their favorite player's ball. I don't play with their favorite team's ball. I I don't think this is impossible. I think it's an excellent idea because, again, it's, you know, Orioles advocates have been really big about, you know, spreading uh, baseball equipment throughout, you know, certain areas. What if you think about this idea? Um, How about, you know, you do it for kids 14 and under and you give them a baseball. Yep. And but you don't give them a baseball when they enter into the stadium. But when they're leaving with their parent, they Mm. get the baseball. I like that a lot better. Yeah. You'd have to start it a little early because, as you know, someone with small children, right. you got to be prepared to leave any time. Well, my, my, my thing would be when you enter the stadium, if you've got a kid, your kid gets a ticket, the parent holds onto the ticket. When the kid leaves, you'd have Orioles advocates there around you know the third or fourth inning to start so that when people start leaving the stadium, you hand the ticket over, you get the baseball, you leave the stadium. You might be onto something there. Yeah. You may have just saved my idea. Yes. I, I, like I said... Again, you're the brains of this operation. The brains of this operation. So anything else that we can think of for promotions? No, I, I think we've really covered the promotions. It's got to be better than Chris Davis' action figure from last year. It has to be. Yeah. Have you noticed, Is it maybe it's my imagination, mm. have the promotions become more popular? Um, I'd say yes, but I think it's part of the reason of, too, I think a lot of people are wanting to get back and support a winning team as well. The, so you're saying it's possibly that it's, it's just an... Um, an effect of more people in the stadium altogether. I, I think so. I mean, we were able to go to multiple games during the dark times where on like Wednesday nights when it was t-shirt night, we could just walk in in the you know second inning or so and be like, all right, we're here to get our shirts. And they'd be like, yeah, we got like a whole stack of them. Now it's, if it's not the, we have 40,000 of them, but we only have 10 or 15,000 of them. You have to be there almost an hour early before game to get them. I showed up 45 minutes early for the crush Davis Superman yep. shirt yep. and got locked out. I did yep. not get one. And I was a little pissed. You were a little, little upset, little upset. I was a little upset because you and another good friend of ours, Jimmy Baker, is quick to point out that you guys have one and we I do. do not. I will also be point, quick to point out that the next day, those shirts were going for like seventy five to a hundred dollars on eBay. I was just like, eh, probably should sell that shirt. Was that the game that they played the Nationals? Uh, yes, it was. Because we ran into a bunch of Nationals fans decked out in Nationals yes. garb with like six Chris Davis shirts, and yes. I tried to buy one from them. I gave, I was like, hey, I'll give you ten bucks for one, and he said no. I, I think he even came back and they're like, I'll give you twenty bucks for me. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, I see how it is. Jerk face. Yeah. Anyone who's a uh, a Nationals fan pretty much can uh, go suck on themselves. <laughs> Josh Finver, Josh if you're Finver. listening, we're talking to you. <laughs> yes, I think we have beaten the promotional schedule to death, but I will say I'm really looking forward to the schedule coming out because I do. I do plan my attendance around it. Though we have uh, the 13-game plan, uh, season tickets, I will trade in games just to get those shirts. All right. Well, we're eagerly looking forward to promotion schedule to come out next week. We'll see what it is, and then we can plan the rest of our season going forward. So with that, Jake, blow the save? I think it's time to blow the save. All right, Jake, I'm going to take this week. Um, so, Jake, I've got some some news, and I think you've seen this. My two-year-old son recently has shown symptoms of contracting the epidemic. Uh, Excuse me? My son has begun to pick up a ball and flip it between both hands if if trying to determine the proper way to approach the object or topic at hand. He knows what needs to be done with it, and it's not something natural. Trust me, I've seen you play baseball before, Jake, and it's nothing natural about it. Are you telling me that your son might be a lefty? Uh, No, not quite. 
But I have to ask myself, why is he so predisposed to it? Why does he want to watch archive videos of baseball games? Why does he want to show me every single time he's holding the baseball? And why must he read a book about baseball every gosh darn night? So, Jake, we talked about it, uh, our love for the baseball on this program many times. But the one thing that's distinguished itself from any other sport is the ability for it to play in the background. And listening to a baseball game on the radio oftentimes can overcome any television broadcast. It's that noise, Jake, especially the static from my childhood that triggers those sensory memories that remind me of my childhood. And I know that from my experience now with baseball are rubbing off on him and his sensory memories are being formed now. Baseball is serving as that white noise of spending time with his dad and friends of the family, including his godfather, co-host on this program, Jake English. I began to ponder to myself the cultural immersion for myself. Sure, I played T-ball as a kid, and I collected those baseball cards. My dad took me to the periodic game at Memorial Park in Camden Yards, but none of those explain the impetus of my baseball immersion, especially at the age of my son of only two years old. I decided to go ahead and flip through the memories of my childhood, searching for this impetus, and then I found it. There I laid on my stomach with an Orioles hat on from 1986. It's an odd-looking picture that's pretty dated, um, but it's me on my stomach with a striking similarity to me and my son, we're both wearing the same exact hat of the white panel, black hat, and then the orange bill. Although 30 years separates us, the spirit and love for the home team is there. The picture was taken in my grandmother's house, and she had given me the hat as a gift on my second birthday. She probably didn't give much thought of it. She wasn't a really a baseball fan, but she was supporting the local team. My grandmother, Barbara, passed away last Monday, And this simple gesture started off my journey being an Orioles fan from that point forward. Without that gesture, countless other possibilities could have occurred. Heck, I could have been a hockey fan. Well, actually, probably not. But however, she started that domino effect leading to my cultural immersion. And I'll remember her always for that simple gift. So that's my blowing the save this week. Uh, I have nothing to add. You you (laughs) have shown me up time and time again on this episode. Yep, I'm, I'm good. Okay. So, Jake, we finally have baseball coming this week. Jake, have you bought MLB at bat this year yet? Not yet, but it's going to happen, especially okay. if I'm going to get StatCast out. Exactly. So I think everyone should go out there and buy MLB at bat. You can listen to all the games on the radio. Um, I know 105.7 is out there, but also it's a great purchase for spring training because you get all the games that 105.7 isn't covering. That includes when the Tigers are doing the broadcast this week um, and uh, 105.7 fan isn't covering the, the, the game. It's a great opportunity to listen to all the games for spring training and kind of get that, that you know, that memories of your childhood. So, Jake, with that, with that, I have nothing left to add. And so, Baltimore and beyond, I bid you a fond adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.